0: You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplusses. Hey
1: everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered in iTunes and online because it's based on one thing and one thing only – and that's helping you make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. I got a really cool episode today where we're going to be talking about the bid-ask spread and slippage when it comes to trading options and even stocks. Now, I know what you're probably thinking on the outside, right? It's So, you know, this is a, probably a little bit more in-depth podcast. Or if you're a new trader, you're probably thinking, you know, why do I need to learn about slippage? What it, What is it really going to help me do as a, as a trader, and, and why is slippage and bid-ass spread important? And For most people, when they get into this, they don't actually get to the point of understanding bid-ass spread until later on in the cycle. right? They want to learn about the strategies and how they can make money, but I'm here to tell you that slippage is this kind of troll that you don't know is there. It's this unfelt or unseen loss in your account or your trade that you never really feel or see. Like commissions, you see and feel, right? Every single time you get into a trade, you can see the price that you're being charged for that trade, how much your broker is charging you in commission to get in or out. So it's a felt cost, but slippage and a bid ass spread on the other hand is not a felt cost, meaning you don't see that cost or that loss show up in your account unless you know what you're looking for. And so today what we're gonna try to do is help you get over this hurdle to learning how to analyze stocks that have a great bid-ask spread and great liquidity because I think it's one of the most important things you can do as an options trader is to have incredible liquidity as part of your trading system. Now I can specifically tell you before we kind of get into it here today that on the low end I know that this is costing you at least $3,800 a year or more. And that's just using some very simple math which we'll go through here today and some very simple kind of analysis. It is on the low end costing every single trader not looking at the appropriate stocks and trading the wrong options it's costing you at least $3,800 a year. Now for the average investor that has a $10,000 account size, that means you're losing 38% of your account value every year and we haven't even talked about directional moves, about picking strategies that work or don't work. We're just talking about bad liquidity and choosing the wrong options to be part of. So, Let's get into it here today and we've got a bunch of things that we can get uh, going. So, The first thing that we want to talk about obviously is we want to understand what the bid ask spread is. So, the bid ask spread is basically the difference between what buyers are willing to pay and what sellers are willing to accept for any particular security. Now, this works in both stocks, in currency, in bonds, and also in options. What we're talking about here today is specifically the bid ask spread between a specific option at any particular strike price that you may be looking at. And we'll look at some examples and we'll definitely have uh, some images of those examples posted on the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 26. Again, just the number 26, optionalpha.com slash show 26. So here's how I always explain bid ask spread when it comes to the markets. And I always use real estate as an example, and I've used it a number of times before in the past. But let's say that you own a property. So you own some house and you want to sell that house for $100,000. Well, you might have one buyer that comes along and they only offer to buy the house from you for $90,000. So you wanna sell it for $100,000 and they wanna buy it for $90,000. So therein lies your bid ask spread. And that spread is about $10,000 in this case. Now, in a really illiquid market where you maybe only are trying to sell this house and there's only one possible buyer. Then that spread may be much much wider, right? Because that buyer knows they have a lot of leverage over you as the seller. The only place that you can sell that house is to him, so he might even offer something lower than ninety dollars, so or than ninety thousand dollars. He might offer say seventy thousand dollars. Again, you want to sell the house for hundred thousand dollars. He offers seventy thousand dollars. So now, our bid ask spread or the difference between the two parties involved is now $30,000. Now, let's kind of take it the other way, right? So we understand just this bid ask spread concept. And again, it works exactly the same in real markets because that's all it is, is just a transaction between two parties. Let's take that concept the other way. Let's say that you're a seller and you're trying to sell your house. And you know this is true if you've sold your house or you've been a part of real estate. And you're in a really hot market, and everybody wants to be in your neighborhood, have a house just like what you have. It's a great house, et cetera, et cetera. So, there's a lot of people that are involved in this market. Now, do you think, with a lot of people, let's say 100 people are interested in your house, do you think you'll probably get a price that's closer to what you're asking? Absolutely, right? You'll probably get a price that's very, very close to what you're asking, if not at what you're asking. So, you can see in a really tight and liquid market, the more people that are involved and in bidding for that security, the tighter that spread becomes. And that's both great as a seller because you can actually sell the contract for you know very close to what you want to sell it for. And as a buyer, that means that you can get into and out of something at a really great price. okay? So we want to be able to get into and out of securities at a really good price to minimize that bid ask spread differential. Now, the reason that slippage is a huge important factor for traders like us and especially high frequency trading, and not saying that we are doing high frequency trading in and out of securities all the time, but our system and our plan relies on the fact that we need to be in a lot of small trades throughout the course of many years, right? We can't take these two or three large positions here or there over the course of a year. We need to be inside of a lot of different trades. And for us, that means if we're gonna be in a lot of different trades throughout the course of a year, that we also have to be able to quickly get in and out of those trades and at great prices. So, again, going back to the real estate concept, if we had to sell 10 houses that we just bought for $100,000 in an illiquid market, if we had to sell those 10 houses and we could only get $70,000 out of each house, even though we bought them for $100,000 a month ago or two months ago, then you can see it becomes really tough to make money. You've got to cover that additional bid-ask spread even more so than you did originally. So It's really, really tough to cover that spread and that's why it becomes so important as an options trader. So Let's actually look at some examples of great liquidity and again, we'll have these posted in the show notes page so you guys can take a look at them. But SPY is the Standard & Poor's kind of ETF, the mini ETF for the S&P 500. And it's a great ETF because it's got insane liquidity. There's a lot of market participants in there. And when SPY was recently trading about 203, we saw that the bid-ask spread for options that were just out of the money, so one or two strikes out of the money, was about a penny wide, meaning that buyers were willing to bid about 104 for those options and sellers were asking about 105, so a very, very tight and narrow market. Even options that were even further out on the put side, down around the 201 range, were still about two pennies wide. So you can see that the markets were extremely tight, and as evident by the volume in that particular day, there were thousands and thousands of contracts being traded. Again, really tight markets means a lot of liquidity. Now, another example of this is also Apple. Apple's definitely a huge player in the space. Now, Apple's a little bit pricier of a stock, and at the time that we kind of did this podcast and took this screenshot, Apple was trading at about $11, $111. And even still, we still had really tight markets in Apple. The call options were only a penny wide. The put options were only a penny wide. Even options far out of the money were a penny or two pennies wide in most cases. So even with these incredible tight spreads though, we still are going to lose a little bit of money to slippage. There's never going to be an opportunity where your bid and ask is exactly the same. There's going to be some sort of spread that's always built in. Now, the minimal spread is a penny, and then most contracts and most securities are trading about two pennies wide, so we're always going to lose some sort of slippage in a trade. But here's how the math works out so you guys understand what we lose regardless, and then it will help you understand why having tight markets is so important. So If we take just one contract. In either Apple or SPY, the bid ask spread is a penny. So it's just one penny wide, but we have to times that penny by that contract multiplier, right? So we know when we trade options, even though the listed price says a penny or 20 cents, et cetera, it actually equates to a dollar or $20, right? So we have to times that penny by 100. Then we times that dollar that we're losing just on the bid ask spread by the one contract that we're trading. And we times it by two sides, meaning we have to get into and out of the trade. And this is where it starts to really accelerate when you have really bad markets. Okay, so in the case of Apple and SPY, if we did all that math, the one penny bid S spread times the 100 contract multiplier times just one contract that we're trading, getting into and out of it, we're gonna lose $2 per trade per contract. Okay, so no matter what we do, no matter how many times we trade Apple or SPY, we're definitely going to lose about two dollars per contract just due to a little bit of slippage in the market and the difference between the bid ask spread. So, again, you don't feel this cost inside of your account, right? There's no line item when you get into a trade. You know, this is how much you charged in your broker charged in commissions, and this is how much you lost in slippage. It doesn't work like that. You just Automatically lose it because you didn't get a better price. Okay. And that's about as small of a spread as you can possibly have. Now, this still means that if we traded Apple or SPY one time each month for an entire year, we'd lose $48 in slippage just on these two securities. So that's obviously a decent amount of money, right? That we're losing in slippage but it pales in comparison to some of the other markets that are out there which we'll go into right now, okay? So again, if we can lose, you know, $48 in Apple and SPY just in slippage, we're not even talking about the directional movement of the stock, whether our strategy is profitable or, you know, not profitable. This is just in the in the liquidity of the stock itself. So let's look at another example here and we'll look at an example of Nike, which is ticker symbol NKE. Now Nike Still has pretty good volume. It's definitely a big name company, right? Everyone's heard of Nike, but the options don't have that much liquidity. So when we look at a chart of Nike, we can see that the bid ask spread on the call side is about 10 to 12 cents wide, and the same thing on the put side, about 10 to 12 cents wide. So for example, the uh, calls at 96.5 for Nike, the bid price is $58 and the asking price is $70 and the reason that it's so wide is because there's only 14 people that have traded that contract all day as opposed to apple and spy where there's thousands of contracts being traded already today so nike only has 14 people that have traded again very small pool of buyers and sellers and therefore there's going to be a lot of discrepancy in the price that they're going to accept so let's work out the the math here in nike So If we take that $0.10 bid-ask spread, just being a little bit conservative there, assuming we get really great pricing, only $0.10 wide bid-ask spread, we times that by the 100 contract multiplier because it's worth about $10 for each trade, times just one contract, and again, getting into and out of the contract, so we times it by two, that means that every time that we enter just one contract in Nike, we are losing $20 in slippage alone. Now, this isn't over the course of an entire year. This is just one single contract in Nike getting into or out of the security, buying one option or selling one option, both sides. So You wonder why most traders don't make money in this business because they have no concept of how slippage works and they immediately put themselves in the hole $20. Now they got to dig themselves out of that hole to make money and they got to make even more than $20 obviously to counteract. Effects of slippage on their account. But again, you don't see or feel that cost in a contract of Nike. Now, one thing that people always say to me is they always ask, you know, how do I reduce my commission costs? How do I, uh, you know, cut my broker fees? And by no means are broker fees non relevant. They are relevant, right? We want to have the cheapest, lowest commission that we could possibly have. But I often find that more so than your broker fees or the commissions that they're charging you to get into or out of a contract, more so than that, you will end up losing more money on slippage than your broker will ever charge you over the course of a year. You can see right now just trading one contract in Nike, you lose $20 in slippage alone. So if you trade Nike over Apple, you're in the hole 18 extra dollars by trading something that is illiquid. And doesn't have a lot of market participants and a wide bid-ass spread. Okay. So, again, if we traded Nike one time each month for an entire year, we'd lose $240 just in slippage, right? And again, we're not even talking about at this point, you know, the market direction, if our strategy was profitable or not profitable. We're talking about just incredibly illiquid markets in Nike that create a huge bid-ask spread and a huge differential that you have to overcome. All right, so let's look at one more example here and we've got AVB. AVB is a stock that I used to cover back in my days as a REIT analyst. Um, Like the company, but again, options are even less liquid than Nike, if you can believe it. So AVB uh, trades about 250,000 shares a day or so and right now, the bid-ask spread for options that are at the money, so the ones that are closest to where the stock is trading right now. Are about 40 to 50 cents wide. So in the case of the call side, the 175 calls are asking about $450 and the bid price is about $400. So almost a 50 cent bid ask spread differential between those contracts. So here's how the math works out on AVB. Again, conservatively, if we get really great pricing, we have a $40 bid-ask spread. We know it was about 50 cents, but let's say we have a $0.40, $40 bid-ask spread. We times that by 100, by one contract in AVB, and then again, two sides because we have to get into the trade and out of the trade, so we lose kind of on both ends. That's $80 per trade that we're losing in slippage. So if we're losing $80 per trade, do you think that it's hard to make money in a trade like that? Absolutely, right? You're putting yourself in the hole 80 bucks on one contract. You don't even talk about making money and having to be directionally right, which is hard enough, choosing the right strategy, which is hard enough. So That's why liquidity for me is number one on my checklist all the time. I want to be sure that I'm always in stocks that have great liquidity because if I'm not, then nothing else I do really matters, right? I can be directionally right and still lose money because of bad liquidity. I can be exactly right on my assumption about implied volatility, still lose money on a lack of liquidity. Liquidity has to be first and foremost for your options trading checklist. And that's why we preach it so so much here at Option Alpha. So if we traded AVB in this example, each time or each month for an entire year, just one contract, we lose $960 in total. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a huge number. One stock 12 trades, $960 in slippage. I don't know how anybody can make money doing that, right? So obviously you can see how important liquidity is, right? And if you want to get to the next level in your trading, then you have to focus on liquidity. Stop looking at trades, no matter how good the setup looks, no matter what the charts are telling you, no matter how cool that new indicator and and uh, candlestick pattern is forming. It doesn't matter. With A lack of liquidity, you have no possible edge in the market, and you put yourself at a disadvantage from day one. But let's take this just one step further as we kind of wrap up here. If you are a slightly more active trader, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, and making probably 12 trades a year, okay, you're making more than 12 trades a year, which is just one contract, one time per month. If you're most if you're like most traders, you're probably doing somewhere around four to five trades a week and probably spreads. Right? We're not just trading single long options. We're not just trading single naked puts, but let's just say you're doing four to five trades a week and you're doing spreads, so two contracts on every single trade that you get into. You're selling an option and buying an option. So Let's assume just a kind of normal bid-ask spread of about 20 cents, so if you trade every contract over the course of a year that has a bid-ask spread of 20 cents, which is pretty wide, pretty illiquid. You take that 20-cent bid-ask spread, you times it by 100, which is the contract multiplier, times two contracts because you're doing a spread, so you're selling one and buying the other, so you got two contracts working and two sides because you have to get into that spread and out of that spread, four trades a week maybe and 12 months out of the year, it ends up being about $3,840 just in slippage alone. So again, if you're the average investor with $10,000, you didn't even know it. It wasn't showing up on your account statement, but you just lost 38% of your account due to slippage and trading illiquid options. Okay? Huge, huge concept and hopefully we've been really, really clear in how we go about it here today just to show you guys some examples. Because this cost of liquidity, again, is not felt in your account. You can't see it anywhere. but Again, on the low end, you're probably losing about $3,800 not trading options that have really great liquidity. So, Before we get into the closing bell here, let's talk about some guidelines for finding highly liquid and tradable options. The first thing is we like to see the actual stock have at least a million shares traded per day. Okay, I think that's probably a minimum that before we even look at the options, we need to know that the stock itself is liquid. And if the stock itself is liquid, then the options are more likely to be liquid, okay? In our example that we looked at today with Apple, Apple's trading right now about 32 million shares already today and it's just about 10:40 in the morning when I'm recording this. So, they've already traded a ton of shares and it's more likely for them to be liquid than say something else that's only trading 4 or 5,000 shares by this point, okay? On top of that, we like to also see the actual underlying options have at least a 1,000 contracts of open interest at the the at-the-money strikes, okay? That usually is going to equate to some pretty good liquidity. So we want to see, again, those at-the-money strikes, so those strike prices that are right around where the stock is currently trading. We want to see open interest and volume kind of in the thousands. Obviously, the more that we can see, the better, right? The more market participants, the better. We also love to see slippage under 5 cents, okay? If we can get slippage, Under $0.05, that's ideally what we want to do. Now, I will say that there are some stocks that are really, really high priced like Priceline and Google, etc. Very high priced stocks where you won't see the bid-ask spread under $0.05 because it's just a huge contract. So In those cases, you're going to see the bid-ask spread that's going to be more along the lines of $0.10 or $0.15, but because you're not trading four or five contracts, you're only going to trade one or two contracts it's pretty normal to see the bid-ask spread maybe 10 or 15 cents wide. Again, those are your really big uh, stocks, again like Priceline which is almost $1,200 a share. It's just really hard to get incredibly tight markets when the actual strike prices are 10 and $20 wide themselves. Okay, But you can still have pretty tight markets even for big securities like that. But our goal definitely with a lot of things that we trade is to have a bid-ask spread that's under 5 cents. That really kind of minimizes most of the pain that you see with liquidity. Obviously, if you can go towards the SPYs and the apples uh, of the world, then obviously it makes it a lot easier because you have much, much smaller slippage costs over the course of a year. All right, so hopefully that was a really good example just kind of going through a lot of the stuff that you need to know when it comes to bid-ask spread and slippage and this cost of liquidity in the market. Now again, this is something that not a lot of people cover and we've been talking about it for years and years on the blog and we definitely harp on this with our members inside of our membership program because it is that important to your success. Without great liquidity, nothing else that we do really matters because we put ourselves in a hole right from the start if we trade things that have really bad liquidity. So It is a tough concept to grasp, I understand that, please go ahead and check out the Uh, show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show26 so that you can see some of the examples of charts and trade tabs that we have highlighted for you guys to really get an understanding of slippage. And As always, if you sign up for a membership at optionalpha.com, which is completely free, you can go through a ton of tutorials that we have in there that show you more in detail depth uh, courses and training on slippage that you can use. All right, now let's get right into the closing bell here and take a look at a trade we are currently making in FXE
0: now. The closing bell, find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward.
1: All right, so today we're looking at a trade that we have placed and are currently making in FXE. So. FXE is a currency euro trust, Uh, we've actually traded this before, I think maybe on one of the other shows, maybe show 23 or 24 uh, that we actually made a trade, but we're going back to the well here, we've had really good success with FXE. It's got incredibly tight and liquid markets, so at the time of this recording, we're looking at doing the May contracts, which are about 40 to 43 days out, the at the money strikes for FXE in May. Are trading right now with a bid-ask spread of about four pennies wide. On the put side, they're trading with a bid-ask spread of about three pennies wide. So incredible liquidity, very easy to get into and out of these contracts. Now, FXE right now has been obviously in a downward move since the beginning of 2014 and obviously end of 2013, and we've definitely seen it kind of form a little mini base here, not a huge bottom, but we're gonna still play it directionally neutral, so we don't have any underlying assumption of FXE going higher or FXE going lower. All we care about at this point is that the stock stays pretty much range-bound over the next month and a half and we're going to take advantage of that by trading an iron condor. Now, The reason that we're doing an iron condor is because implied volatility for FXE is in the 88th percentile. What that means is that over the last year, implied volatility has been lower than where it is right now, about 88% of the time. So it's extremely high right now and that gives us a great opportunity to sell options far out of the money that are really overpriced. Now, in this case, FXE at the time of this recording is trading around 107, actually it's trading right at 107 because I'm looking at it right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to go out to the 111 strike price on the top side, so the 111 calls. And we're gonna sell the 111, 112 credit call spread. And we're also gonna go down below the market and we're gonna go to the 102 put options and we're gonna sell the 102, 101 put spread. So we're selling the call spread above the market at 111, 112 and the put spread below the market at 102, 101. Now, this is gonna give us an overall credit of about 25 cents per iron condor that we do. We also have. The risk on the trade is about 75 cents, so we're going to risk about $75 to make $25, but our probability of success is somewhere around 76, 77% based on the probability numbers that we see right in our broker platform. So It's a very high probability trade. We obviously are risking a little bit more money, but that's offset because the market is efficient and knows that we have a high probability of success. So We're looking to make for each iron condor that we're going to sell. Again, $25 or so, we'll probably be pretty active in closing out the trade if we start seeing some of that profit materialize pretty quickly. It is a longer term trade, it's about a 43, 44 day trade, so we're definitely in this thing for the next month and a half, but if we see a quick drop in implied volatility, we can absolutely see a nice uh, profit start to materialize as FXE moves sideways or lower
0: thanks for listening to the option alpha podcast if you liked what you heard please drop by itunes and leave a rating or comment plus you can get everything free email updates for future shows transcripts video tutorials case studies and more just visit our website at optionalpha.com
1: all right, so I truly hope that you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com show 26, that's just the number 26 optionalpha.com slash show26. And hey, could you do me a favor? If you like this show today, please head on over to iTunes and give us a rating. It's honestly the best way to get this show into the hands of those who need it most, and I would be extremely grateful. Finally, you can get today's freebie, which is our complete answer vault guide. It's 144 detailed questions and answers that are curated from our community over the last eight years. All you have to do is go to optionalpha.com slash answers. Just optionalpha.com slash answers. Until next time, happy trading.